Would you like a little more foreplay in your life? I mean specifically brain foreplay? Well, then tune in to the most dynamic host, Dr. Rick Perea, performance psychologist to professional athletes and the stars. No failure is final and no topic is off limits. It's time to get real and get your checkup from the neck up. Good day, everybody, and welcome to Brain Foreplay, where you seek to get your checkup from the neck up, from the neck up, from Dr. Rick Perea, PhD in psychology, and I'm here to help you reach your potential. But we've got to do it every day from the checkup from the neck up. That's why we have Brain Foreplay, Brain for Play, to help your brain perform, brain perform, brain Every day, the every day the end, we're gonna we're gonna challenging challenging out in the real world world world. You know, psychology has psychology has all in this country, and I'll give you just a quick background because today our topic is going to be about seeking seek mental health or seeking therapy or world of climate and culture. I'm going to help you understand today how it's actually showing strength when you see, when you see, when you. First, let me start by the history. You know, psychology started in Europe years ago, approximately 150 years ago in Germany, and then made its way over to the United States. And for the past 120 years, approximately, Psychology, ecology, realm, folk realm, folk realm, pathology, pathology, pathology really essentially means like what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, and then and remedy that. How do we make it better? Make it better. Make, but but since psychology, back to when I was an athlete, um, a football player, and and I was a undrafted free agent linebacker with the Broncos in nineteen. In 19, I remember being in training camp and not struggling physically at all, at all. I felt really good, felt very productive, really well in training camp. But I noticed that be that be that. And back then we were on two a days. We I'll never forget we practiced at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. But between the practices, I would go back up to my room. We were then on the campus of campus of Campado in Greeley, Colorado. But I would go up into my room after lunch, room after lunch, room lay there, would lay there, and we'd call that room and call that room and call over and over and over thing, thing. And I would and I would these these potential outcomes in my head. They weren't even real outcomes. They were potential. If I get cut. I know they're going to keep eight linebackers in my number nine. Where do I fit into this mix? And I would ruminate over and over about that. So by the time by the time practice in that particular day, I had already mentally handicapped myself to a certain extent. And I know I wasn't the other the only the only one in 1980 in 1980 in a, in a talk about talk about colleges. Mental health, mental health, team wellness. It was an era where you just strapped up your your chin, your your chin, your you play you play my position, which was linebacker. 
um, considered a very machismo, machismo, play on the field, play on the field, play on. Oh, oh I knew that my challenge was going to be from the neck up, not the neck down. The neck down, like I said, I was competing very, being very, everything was good, everything was good that way. But from the neck up, from the neck up, I, I challenges and think about this, people. Five percent, five percent, society that that on a daily basis is self-imposed. Okay, and I repeat, self-imposed, imposed, imposed. It's not, it's not our world that's our opposition to reaching our potential. It's our own self-limiting thoughts, thoughts, thought. It's our own. Self-limiting thoughts that are gonna trip us. They're gonna trip us. They're gonna, that was my. That was my. Now, three. You couldn't go into the training room and say, "Hey, hey, Greek. By the way, by the way, it was a nickname for our trainer. For our trainer. For Anopolis. I'm struggling. I'm most struggling. I'm most struggling. I'm pretty sure we didn't even have anybody back then. That that would that that would that again. It was just, hey, this is football. Strap it up and let's go. But over the years, what's happened is there's always been a stigma with seeking mental health, not only in sports, but just in real life. We're very quick to say, oh, my elbow hurts, my knee hurts, my back hurts. And we seek out help. And we talk amongst ourselves about that, how we seek out help. And there's no stigma around that, saying yeah on that, saying yeah on that. My back's out of whack, back's out of whack. I'm gonna go get gonna go get gonna go get surgeon because I'm here because I'm here because we don't we don't do that. But when it but when it but help help hey I'm struggling emotionally I'm not doing really well with my emotions I'm going through some stuff emotionally psychologically sometimes people could, could kind of look at you sideways about that so. One of the things that's happened in mental health that I'd like to talk about today, as well as as well as minimizing the stigma, the stigma is a, is a trophy, trophy, and as you and as you screen, you screen, you a brain, a brain, a quantum, a quantum G G, a brain map that essentially gets, essentially gets shot, shot, side your side your into you, into you, and it's really powerful because it's powerful because it's powerful. You can literally, you can literally, you can brain waves need to be trained up. What need to be trained down? Now there's, now there's like alpha, like alpha with calm, relaxation, just that chilled parasympathetic side of the autonomic nervous system, the calm side, right? Side, right? And, and then, and which is large, which is large stress, stress and tension, both physiological muscle tension, but also tension cognitively it restricts our thinking our thinking narrows so i want us to understand that through neurofeedback and you see this quantitative eeg it gives us a snapshot into how healthy our brain is and so we've never had this before had this before last last 25 years 25 years feedback feedback very very popular and in vogue because it can do things i can't as a psychologist or that any therapist cannot do with talk therapy. It trains the brain from an electronic level. Electronic level. So important to understand that we know, that we know, that that stigma, stigma. It's about what I just say. Just say. Just we have treatment 
that now takes away the stigma, stigma, stig, because, us, us. There's no coaching per coaching per coach. We do that here at Think Right here at Think Right here. Coaching in combination with the neurofeedback. Getting, getting, and, and, uh, and like, uh, and like, uh, amplifiers and devifiers and devifiers. Nothing. There's nothing. You, you text on the skull and you train and you train video games. You watch moves. You watch moves. You watch screen TV and it trains your brain to regulate itself. So if you have high beta, for example, people, I want you to understand something. If you have high beta, you don't know. You're walking around this world, you're walking around the climate and culture of your culture of your and you may have stress, anxiety, you have a quick trigger, you get mad, you yell at people, whatever it is, you can you can regulate yourself through coaching or therapy till your till your Till the cows come home, cows come home, cows come. and you're not necessarily going to see improvement as much as you could if that beta was tra was tra. So I want you to understand, people. There is now electronic methods to train the brain to get you regulated in a very calm and cool way. Way, way. that's power. That's power. I on, I on. When they, when they facility here at facility here at facility. Greatest thing to happen in human behavior, in psychology, in sociology, in anthropology, in many ways, in the last century. And I'll repeat that. And I'll repeat that. And I'll, it's one of the, it's one of the techniques, and I believe the best, the best the, to regulate and balance the the brain waves that's happened in the, happened in the, in psychology. In psychology is really the key to performing at peak potentials from the neck down. There are people out there today, whether it's from youth sports, all the way from eight years old to, to beyond professional, that are not performing to their potential because they're handicapping themselves from the neck up. And it's not a stigma to seek mental health. In fact, it shows strength. When you can raise your hand and say, I need help. I need help. That is a strength. That's not a weakness. It takes no strength whatsoever to say, no, I'm good. I'm good. I got this. And you know, deep within your heart, within your soul, you're not good. You're not good. People, I'm telling you right now, through all my work in sports and working with everyday people, most of us right now are not good. We're really not. We're struggling in many ways. But here's the key, that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It really is. And in fact, it's okay to ask for help and to seek it out. And what I would say to you that Think about using techniques, alternative techniques like neurofeedback. Alpha stim is a device that stimulates the alpha brain waves that treats anxiety, depression, and insomnia immediately, electronically. It's a little device about this big. It's, it's incredible how that works. 
So there are, there are alternatives, people, to talk therapy, to coaching. And I want you to know that the stigma needs to go. You know, a, a very uh, dear friend of mine now, he was one of my clients at one point, Julius Thomas, who is now down in uh, South Florida getting his, his doctorate degree in psychology, his PsyD. And he said it to me at one point, and it really resonated. He says, you know, we don't have permission to have emotional issues in the NFL. And I'll repeat that. We do not have permission to have emotional issues in the NFL because if we do, if we go in and tell a coach, tell um, the trainer, you know, I'm really struggling emotionally. That's kind of a red flag. It's kind of a red flag for a guy who's, you know, getting paid millions of dollars and expected to perform. But now with the new wellness programs in the NFL that are being developed and mandated, we're making it easier and easier for players to reach out. We need to make it easier and easier for everyday people to reach out. Recently, I did a podcast on suicide. And oftentimes, you know, through, through really experiential um, topics and through research and evidence, we understand that a lot of people anecdotally don't reach out and they become sad, they became hopeless, and then that they get to the point eventually of taking their own life. Imagine if those people reached out and there was no stigma. As in my last podcast, I talked about taking my sons to Costa Rica and kind of being able to decompress and exhale and just really relax in a, in a different climate and culture. And I'll tell you what, they have a different approach to mental health down there. It's a different approach. It's common. And I think if we were to start teaching wellness and mental health in fifth grade, sixth grade, and making it common to talk about emotionality, to talk about what anxiety feels like somatically, the body is soma, S-O-M-A. So somatic anxiety is how the body feels, pit in the stomach, tightness in the chest, sweaty palms, cognitive anxiety. That's where your thinking is very restricted, where you're, you're trying to think of a, an answer and you can't, you can't recall it because you're in that sympathetic side of the autonomic, which is the stressful side. But if we taught fifth graders and sixth graders what, what, the, what that feels like, to experience anxiety somatically and cognitively, and then more importantly, solutions of how to get out of it. Oh my gosh, game changer, game changer. Then it becomes a norm. It becomes a norm we discuss. It becomes a norm that is in our everyday ecosystem and our discussions. That's in the schools. That's one thing we can do. What Another thing we can do in families is be willing to be vulnerable and talk about emotionality and mental health at the dinner table you know instead of just how was your day and we skim across the top of the water oh it was good how was football practice good how was social studies good oh we talked about this but you know what how'd you feel today how'd you feel emotionally today oh you know something happened today in school mom i got my feelings hurt and this is what happened and then we talk about feelings we talk about emotionality 
People, I'm going to tell you something. I've been part of families, not my own, because my my own family was great about talking about issues. I just, I love that. That's what we're. That's that's when where the fun happened, the magic happened. Oh, I think there's something in the microwave. I got to go check. I got to go get it. And they leave the room. They look for a reason to leave. That can't be what we have going forward if we're going to destigmatize emotionality and mental health. So I want you to understand that we have got to come at this from the wheel with many spokes. One of the spokes is education. We teach it in fifth and sixth grade. One of the spokes is we have to make it more common in our homes. Another spoke is more and more coaches, coaches, youth, middle school, high school, college, NFL, need to learn about emotionality and how anxiety manifests itself. People, I can tell you, I can tell you, being in the NFL, the years that I've been in the NFL as a psychologist, how many coaches know next to nothing about psychology? It is, to me, it's antiquated and it's archaic. And it's sad more than anything that we don't have more coaches that understand psychology. So we have got to educate coaches because instead of saying, hey, buckle up, let's go, suck it up, let's go, we understand how to maybe one day a week have a session where players get to voice some of their challenges emotionally, psychologically. It ain't going to make them soft. It's going to make them better. It's going to make them better from the neck up. And, you know, one of the things I suggested to an NFL coach the other day, and at first he laughed. But then when he realized I was serious, we sat down and talked about what it would look like. I told him, I said, let your players design one practice a week. The, 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 you know, we have a practice schedule. We have a practice plan. Let your players design it. They know what they need to work on. See what they come up with. If you want to breathe energy and passion and light into a football team, give them a portion of that leadership and ownership. That's what we've got to understand. And that's why people struggle emotionally and mentally because they don't have control over their emotionality and leadership and ownership, whether it's athletically, in the business world, in, in our social settings, like at home. The top companies like the Googles, the Apples, the Amazons of the world and I'd like to think, like Think One, we're, just, we're a, a small organization here in Denver, Colorado. But we give ownership to our leaders and to our followers. Followers are leaders and leaders are followers. So we've got to understand not only how to treat mental health and take the stigma away, but make it okay to talk about it. Just recently, I approached one of my colleagues here and I said, hey, are you okay? Because I noticed that she was a little bit off. And we were able to have a really productive conversation and she was able to share some things. And I think it really helped her. So we have to be willing to say, hey, are you okay? And I encourage everyone out there today to approach two or three people today and say, hey man, how are you? Are you okay? From an emotional level, from a psychological level, because if we stay in this state of stigmatized mental health and wellness, we're not going to grow. We're not going to grow and get better. We talk about performance. 
we talk about how to be your best from the neck up, from the neck down, we have got to pull down the walls of the stigma that can be associated with mental health and wellness. And it's in our hands. That's the cool thing. It's in our hands. Again, I want you to take a look one more time at this brain map, a quantitative EEG. Look at, look at the treatment before neurofeedback. You can see what the brain looks like before neurofeedback. High beta. That yellow and green you're looking at, that's high beta. Okay? And the quantitative EEG tells us this. And then if you look down at the bottom of the screen, you see the, the brain is largely white. A white brain is considered healthy. So after 40, 40 neurofeedback treatments, you see the difference. And it's not, does it work? Will it work? You can see the evidence right there. And it's a quantitative EEG. So the numbers are reflected. We can watch the numbers change through treatment. Neurofeedback people, it's one of the ways that we can treat the brain electronically in a very, very positive and non-stigmatized way. So I wanna, I wanna leave you today with this. I want you to understand asking for help is not a weakness. <laughs> asking for help is a strength. It is a strength to be able to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm not doing so well, can we talk about it? Hey, I'm not doing so well, what can we do? That takes courage and strength. Um, tomorrow, I'm gonna attend a funeral of one of my best friends. He lost his daughter recently. And um, there's another example is people will say, oh, I went to a funeral and I held it together. I held it together, I was strong. And what they're referring to is they didn't cry. And people, we have that opposite in our society. Crying is a natural expression of human emotions. And to cry and show emotion at a funeral, for example, is a sign of strength. Being willing to, to demonstrate that instead of holding it in. Okay, the, the brain is not designed, the autonomic nervous system is not designed to hold it in. That's when we'll get to a level of, of stress and anxiety that's unmanageable. And that's largely why we're having our issues today. It's because people holding it in and not expressing themselves. Expression is healthy. Whether it's joy, happiness, melancholy, sadness, or crying. Crying at a level that is, is expressing your passion, your energy for life. So please understand raising your hand and asking for help is a strength, not a weakness. Let's pull down the walls of stigma, stigma of mental health and wellness. I'll finish with this, I just wanna tell you I am passionate about helping people become more well and mentally, mentally well and, and happy, especially men, because I think so many men do not express themselves, do not express themselves to the level 
that they could in sharing their emotionality. And I think it's sad that in our society we have largely taught males to suppress their emotions. And I'll give you a quick example as a final, final word out. So what happens is, is for example, a three-year-old little boy falls off his trike and a dad says, oh, you're all right, son, dust it off, rub some dirt on it, you're okay. And we basically teach that little boy to suppress that emotion of falling off his trike because he really wanted to cry. A little girl, three years old, falls off her trike and we say, oh, come here, mijita, it's okay. And we encourage that emotionality. And then as they go on at five, seven, nine, we keep socializing boys to be tough, to be strong. And we oftentimes encourage our females that it's okay to express, express emotions. And then it goes on. And then by the time you have two adolescents at 18 years old, and they're dating each other, they're largely speaking different love languages, completely different love languages. And what it's important to understand is, you know, that's where there can be some real, you know, disconnects. So if we're going to get better in our society, removing the stigma, we've got to help our males understand that it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to ask for help. Because I can tell you this, I'm, I'm in many ways a very masculine male, but in many ways I have fem femininity too. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We call that androgynous. But for those men out, out there that can't admit that they have some femininity, that's, that's a problem right there. That's a problem right there because they're basically saying, I am one-sided, that's, that's the only skill set I have. And that's going to limit you in terms of the way you express your emotionality and could lead to mental health issues in, in midlife and later life because you are not expressing yourself in a very healthy way. That's eclectic, both with male and masculinity and female with femininity. So, so thank you for joining us here at Brain Foreplay. Um, this is where you get your checkup from the neck up. I'm Dr. P. P-E-E, -E. Um, more P-Drizzle from P-Dizzle as they say it. But join us here every week. Um, we'll be here to, to stimulate your brain. And that's why we call it Brain Foreplay and get your checkup from the neck up. People, love each other, trust each other, and believe in you. I love you. Have a good day. Don't forget to join us next week same place, same time to get your checkup from the neck up, fortified by foreplay. That's brain foreplay. And please remember to subscribe to this channel wherever you get your podcasts.